Who is your captain? Who guides you through the everyday issues of life? The big stuff and the small stuff and everything in between. Who is it that captains your ship? Does the captain of your ship have a steady hand? Or does it shake with indecision and fear as the storm clouds of this world come soaring in? Does the one who sets the course for you, your family, your relationships, your calling, your finances, because someone is setting the course, do they know the way to the open seas of joy and peace and purpose and and the power of God? Who is the captain of your life? Welcome sailors and seekers. All of our campuses this weekend, we're thrilled to have you with us. God is moving, amen, we love you, whether you're online, live, God behind bars, uh, Bristol, wherever you're at, we love you, and we want you to feel at home, at Faith Promise. And this weekend, got a a very, I I mean, a challenge from God, so put your spiritual seatbelt on. Uh, I really, truly believe, we believe this weekend If you will obey the scriptures, you will avoid your ship crashing into the rocks that the current culture and the winds, the currents are trying to blow you into. Now for believers, who who wants more of God? You may want more of God? All right. I don't know about you, but I want Holy Ghost heaven sent revival. I want to write the 29th chapter of the book of Acts. I want Jesus to find us faithful when he comes back. And so our question in this series was asked by the psalmist a few thousand years ago when he said, would you not yourself revive us again that we may rejoice or that we may be refreshed or that we may walk with you? And that's what you want you come to the right place. Because God is at work right now. God is doing a work at Faith Promise. A lot of folks are experiencing a very much heightened level of conviction of sin, awareness of the need for the fresh wind of God, his breath. The Hebrew word is ruach, that we're asking God to breathe fresh wind into ourselves. Because here's here's what happens. When revival comes, it brings a fresh fear of God. And when a fresh fear of God, we are more, have a more heightened awareness of sin. We're not near as likely to step or swim some laps in the stupid pool. Why? Because we have a heightened fear of God. But when that fear of God diminishes, our ability to just wander and walk with the world increases. When revival comes, there's a fresh focus on God. We don't let the winds of this wicked world drive our ship off course. We're following Christ, and we are not going to be distracted or detoured or delayed. We are on course, on mission, on purpose. When revival happens, a fresh faith in God arises in us, and we know that our God can still do miracles. Our God can still show up. Our God can still heal. He can still save. He can still provide. Our God still moves. Y'all believe that? Anybody in the house believe that? All right. I'm so glad, man, you're with it, because we're about to get into your grill here for just a minute. We're going to get down in the nitty and the gritty and give you a challenge from heaven. What you're about to watch is spiritual warfare. If you've never seen it, you're about to see it. In whatever room, is wherever room you're sitting watching right now, you're about to watch spiritual warfare. 
Now, when revival breaks out, we put God where he belongs in first place. Our, our number one values is we, we put God first. So Jesus, in his most famous sermon, which you'll find throughout all four gospels, the Sermon on the Mount, it wasn't a sermon he preached once and filed it. It was what he preached all the time. So the apostles, the disciples knew it so well because he was teaching what they were dealing with. And listen, culture hasn't changed that much. We've got some more technology and better transportation, but besides that, we all came from a crooked sailor and a drunken farmer. Take it on back. Adam and Noah, we're all in this boat together, and Jesus said this. If, you, if, if you're in favor, say, I am. You cannot serve two masters. Can't, you got to choose. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You can serve the gods your forefathers served in Egypt. You can serve the gods of the people of the land which you're now living. But for me, we're serving Yeshua HaMashiach. We're serving Yahweh. We, Yahweh, we want your way, Yahweh. We don't want the ways of the idols. So Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. For he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The Greek word is mammon, which is an Assyrian word because mammon was an ancient god of wealth. So here's, here's what you need to realize. Come on, if you're listening, say I am. There is a spirit attached to wealth that has woven its way through our culture. It's so entrenched, we no longer see it, like a fish doesn't see the water. We now identify ourselves by the brand that we buy, by how much money we have, by where we went to school, by how many square feet our houses are, how many horsepowers our car has, what name brand is on the purse that we carry. Because everybody knows a $400 coach purse is better than a $4 Walmart purse. Wow, did y'all hear that? See, this is the third sermon and all I've gotten after the first five minutes was crickets. I told you, you're gonna see some spiritual warfare. See, Jesus said, you're gonna hold on to the master, you're gonna hold on to mammon. Now, let me go back and ask that question I started with. How much do you really want revival? Okay, yeah. The first claps were good, that's a golf clap. Are you with, y'all feel it already in the room? You just feel it? Again, you're gonna see it. See, I believe this, when God wants to check the temperature of a heart, he sticks the thermometer in your bank account. Because where you spend your money is what matters most to you. So for Michelle, our whole married life, the number one thing on the top of our budget is God. It's more than our house note. It's more than retirement. It's more than anything. The number one thing since we've been married, God is first. Now, hold on. What you're already thinking, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. All the church wants is my money. I need you to grow up and put your big boy pants on because God wants so much more than your money, it's ridiculous. Matter of fact, your money is insignificant compared to how much actually God wants from you. We just saying, take all of me, God. I, I give you all of me. Well, yeah, except. 
except my sex life, except my money, except over here. So God, come on and take part of me. Come on. Well, beside, okay, come on, take a little of me. <laughs> it's going to get worse before it gets better. It's, man, you, you got to make a choice. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. And so when I talk and when I preach about generosity or obedience financially, your response reveals your heart. So if you're struggling right now, there should be spiritual flags going off in your life. Listen, be honest with yourself and God. Come on, be honest with yourself. You're gonna be better off, you'll be honest with God instead of fight God. Whenever you fight God, you lose. So years ago, I preached a sermon here, and it wasn't the, this, actually the outline wasn't, wasn't original with me. The outline, three marks of a revived heart. You gotta be a forgiver, forgiving everybody that hurt you. Number two, you gotta be a thanksgiver, life full of gratitude, not grumbling, griping, and complaining. And number three, you gotta be a cheerful giver. Second Corinthians 9, 7, don't give out of necessity, cause I have to, or out of compulsion, God makes me, for God loves a cheerful or literally a hilarious giver. Hilarious giver. I loved it back when we used to pass plates, years before there was online giving and all that kind of stuff, because I'd watch the plates, the plates pass. And I would say, revival ought to break out, whoo, shouting as it goes through. It never did. It never did. People would actually act like they didn't see the plate coming. <laughs> Hope you'd pass it around them. Y'all ever been to that church? God said, I love a hilarious giver. Why? Because God is broke? That's ridiculous. It's absolutely not. How many of you would agree with this statement? God owns the whole universe. Would you agree with that? So next question, does God own your whole heart or does he own part of your heart? And if you're not obedient financially, Listen, there's no other way around it that he doesn't own your whole heart. Well, I want to get pastor, I just can't afford it, which means you don't have any faith yet. Or, well, I, I, actually, I don't want to give, which means you're greedy and your idol is money. You're serving mammon, not Jesus. You got to make a choice. You can't pick both. There's only one primary. Now, the first time I heard this message, Michelle and I were still pastoring in Louisiana, God was moving, it was extraordinary. We were the largest church in the parish, we were in two or three services, and we did what's called a revival, where you have a series of protracted meetings. It's not a revival, what you hope is a revival will be the outcome. So I had evangelist in, friend of mine, incredible preacher, he preached this sermon. He preached the first point, you gotta be a forgiver. Man, people are cheering, places packed. So, so let, me, let me back up, Sunday morning he preached, places packed, Sunday night, if there were people that already heard God was moving, Monday night, it was standing room only. And we'd already talked about taking that meeting on longer. He'd already called his next church, said, I'm not sure I can come. It appears revival is about to break out. Everybody in that whole parish knew Tuesday night, it was jam packed, it was incredible. And that night he preached that sermon, you gotta be a forgiver. Woo, amen, preach it. You gotta be a, you gotta be a thanksgiver, yes, hallelujah. You gotta be a cheerful giver. Crickets in the room, silence fell. And for the first time in my life, I saw God leave 
a worship service. We grieved the Spirit of God out of the room. And, and listen, nobody realized it. Remember Samson went to the Delilah barbershop? Because Bubba was not smart. I mean, I mean, how many times has she got him already? And he goes, she cuts, his, she cuts his hair. The Spirit of God is gone. And he rose up and said, I will deliver myself from the Philistines like I always do. And the Bible says he was unaware the Spirit of the Lord had departed. The Spirit of the Lord departed. After that service, people said, hey, pastor, are we going to go on? This is incredible. I said, no, we probably won't even have service tomorrow night. What do you mean? I said, you grieved the spirit of God out of here. You, he's gone. It's over. We had an opportunity and we missed it. Revival could have fallen. But the people could have said, Lord, I'm not a giver but, and I want to be. Lord, help me. They could have been honest, but they weren't. They just locked up. Are you with me? I was a broken pastor because I knew the opportunity for the glory of God to fall and to reach that whole county was gone. Listen, faith promise doesn't need your money. It is dirty green paper. God wants all of you. And if he doesn't have your money, he doesn't have all of you. Are you with me? It's, it, there's no other way around it. We need to be like Zacchaeus. Watch Zacchaeus' salvation. Watch this. In, in Luke's gospel, Luke's gospel 19, verses 8 and 9. Do you, if you grew up in vacation Bible school or Sunday school, you know about Zacchaeus was a wee little man. I was smoking dope. I didn't learn that. I learned it as an adult. <laughs> Zacchaeus stops and said to the Lord, behold, half my possessions I'll give to the poor. I'm giving half what I have. This guy was uber wealthy. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, which he had, because he was a crooked tax collector, I'll give back four times as much. And Jesus said, today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. How was his salvation seen? It was seen in his heart and his attitude toward money. So you don't like that part, do you? Did y'all feel that? Right, listen, by the way, you need to, you need to understand you don't fool God for sure, and most of you don't fool me because your face is like a ticker tape. I'm telling you, it's incredible. If you could be where I am, you would say, this is, are you kidding me? See, his, his salvation was proven by his generosity. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, 13, he, he said this whole message, he said the proof the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel and the liberality of your contribution. He said, you're going to prove your love by how you give. I believe this, had Bethel Church repented of greed and said, God, I'm afraid. I don't know how. I don't understand. I'm so sorry. I know that this is an issue. God, would you help me? I believe revival would have broken out. Instead, it was church as usual. And frankly, it was my beginning of a desire to leave there because I wanted to be a spot where people wanted all of God. See, it, let me tell you my greatest concern about the future of Faith Promise Church. Will we maintain the faith of the founders? Because this church was founded on people that were radically generous and radical about souls. See, but... The next generation I was rising up at Faith Promise, they didn't bleed and die for this. 
your second generation? Will you rise up and be radical and pursue God? And will, be, will you be obedient financially in every other way? Or are you going to lock your fist? Because, see, I believe God wants to bless us to a greater level than we want, but it's hard for God to fill a clenched fist. You ever wanted to do something for your little kids? You bring a present home, but they've acted horribly all day, and you can't give it to them because they acted like you. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. And you, you put the present back, and you're just so bummed because you want, I believe that's how God feels all the time. I want to bless you. I can't bless you because you're disobedient. I want to give to you, but I can't pour finances out on you because you're thieves. You're robbing me of my tithes and offerings, God said. Are, are you with me? See, Michelle and I decided before we got married, we would never let something as insignificant as money rob us from the power of God and souls coming to Jesus. As a matter of fact, our kids told us when they were young, Daddy, because we talked about money all the time. We talked about what we gave. We were teaching them to tithe. And they would say, Dad, if you quit giving so much money, we could have more stuff. And I would say, no, we have the stuff we have because your mom and I are faithful to God. Are you with me? We're faithful to God. And we're where we are. We never dreamed we'd be where we are. But what we've learned is what you've heard before, you cannot outgive God. But don't take my word for it. Let's go back to the story we played for you earlier in the month. Let's go back and let's hear what Raven had to say about it. My name is Raven Little, and this is my story. In 2018, I was going through a divorce, and I decided that I wanted to try to start a relationship with God on my own. So I started looking for churches. So I went on a Sunday um, to check out Faith Promise, and I went to the, Knox the North Knoxville campus. And the segment that he was doing when I first uh, began attending in 2018 was the Corner Office of Contentment. And in that service, he just talked about how we really need to start working on being grateful for what we have instead of consistently looking for more and thinking that more will help offer us fulfillment instead of really just investing our hope in God. And so then he started the giving segment and he said that I want to challenge you to start giving your tithe. And if you give your tithe for 90 days and you don't feel God moving your life, I'll give you your money back. And I was like, would he really give you your money back? And I was like, okay, well, whatever. I'll just try it. I'll just try it and see. So I began coming to church, and I made a promise that I wasn't going to miss a, a service, no matter what. And I also made up in my mind that I was going to give my tithe, even if I felt like I didn't have it. So I did it. So for 90 days, I gave my tithe. And it never failed. And it blew my mind, honestly. It never failed. I always received the money back in some shape, form, or fashion. And I was like, this is crazy. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to keep doing it. And then all of a sudden, I really felt a calling to go ahead and come back to school. The only challenge was that because I wanted to be a teacher, it required a lot of observation hours and a lot of student teaching. So I had to quit my job. And I remember going back and forth on it over and over again, like, how am I going to do this? How is this going to work out? And I just kept having this feeling telling me to just go and do it. 
So I did it. So I enrolled in school, and I actually started school the day before I gave birth to my daughter, Willow. And I enrolled in University of Cumberland um, to get my master's in elementary education, and I did it religiously. And I just think that it's crazy. It's crazy favorite. I know Pastor Chris says all the time, like, he feels like he's God's favorite. But I told him, I said, no, you're not God's favorite. I'm God's favorite. I have to be, because I just can't think of any way that a single mom of three kids has been able to live for two years without a job. She's never missed a meal, had all her bills paid, um, and just month to month, God never failed to sustain. And I know that sometimes it would seem like, oh, it was just a little shirt here, or maybe a little scholarship there, but he really was able to make a way out of no way. And I told one of my friends today, actually, I said, I have that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faith. Like, I will go into a furnace and say, I know that God has me. Like, he has me because I've seen the little really sustain a lot and that's something that I try to tell my girls all the time to be grateful for everything that they have we've been really blessed I know that everyone doesn't have a support system like mine um, and I try to tell them that all the time to be grateful for what we have because we may not have it all we don't have the biggest house and I tell them all the time one day we're gonna have that house one day you will have that backyard and we don't have it now but I do find contentment and happiness in what God has given me because I know there's people right now that wish that they had the things that I have there are people that are trying to get to the finish line because for so long I've wanted to be where I am now. And so I'm just grateful to finally be here. And that's why I continue to bring my girls to church. That's why I continue to try to give them that foundation that I didn't have because miracles are all around us. And I feel like we're one. <laughs> I feel like we're a miracle. And if you really just take time to look and be grateful for what you have and just really put your trust in God, he'll really take you far. Incredible. I really, I said it before, it's, it's really hard to sacrifice because every time Michelle and I have really rallied up and sacrificed, God just brings it back, pressed down, shaking and running over. If you fully repent like Zacchaeus did and, and your money is a part of your repentance. So I think if revival is gonna fall, we need to surrender to him. So what's holding you back? Where's the hesitation? Where's the reservation? Come on, I think we're at a crossroads like, like, like Bethel was. The question is how much do we really trust God and are we really willing to, to obey? Paul Cho pastored the largest church in the history of the world, hundreds of thousands. Uh, Michelle and I, are, I, I attended that service and went to Prayer Mountain. And Dr. Cho said this, the key to revival is I pray and I obey. I pray and I obey. We know what God wants us to do. You can think of a million excuses, but understand God, when you stand before him, well, there is no excuse. He'll accept for disobeying the word. I believe he wants to rock revival. And let me go ahead and answer a couple of critics. No, you can't buy revival. You can't buy the power of God. In Acts chapter eight, Simon tried to do it. He said this, now when Simon saw that the spirit was bestowed through the laying on the hands of the apostles' hands, he offered him money, saying, give this third to me as well that everyone whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could attain the gift of God with money. You can't buy the power of God. It can't be bought, but it can be sought with the hearts that are wholly his. 
Are you with me? So if you're listening, say, I am. Has your bank account been baptized? Or just your body? Let's be real. See, God's fresh wind flows through people he can trust. And many of us wonder, why doesn't God bless me more financially? My question is, he can't bless you if he can't trust you to be faithful. God wants to bless you, but can he trust you? Now, some of you here, money's not your issue. It's another thing. What are you holding on to that's making a Smith's revival that needs to be released back to God? Is it sex? What, what is it? My question is, will we repent and return the times where refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord? Now, the idol of greed does not come down easily because it's entrenched in this culture, right? Mammon is entrenched. But the Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us, and we have the power to pull down the stronghold of greed. You just got to face it head on and acknowledge, God, this is a struggle. I need your help, and God will come through. Revival means there'll be power in the house of God. Souls will be saved forever. Purpose will flood our hearts. Peace and joy will be in us. We will walk in the favor of the Lord. May the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. Confirm the work of our hands. But listen, if your hands are folded and you say, I'm not giving, I'm not bringing my whole tithe into the storehouse, you're blocking the blessings. This is a real love movement from God. And we've got to be obedient. So every other seat, there's a card that says we give generously one of our values, one of our six church values. So grab it, one per couple. Come on, come on. How about husband? How about stepping up, being the leader, not handing that card to your wife? You've already given it to her, hadn't you? Reach over and get it back. Say, I got that, honey. I got that. I got that. That's right, Jonathan. I, I got that. And so what we're trying to make very practical steps every week. And what's your next step? For some, it's just say, I'm a beginner. I've never given. I never wanted to give. I thought all the church wanted was my money. And I want to begin. Just start anywhere. Just start anywhere. Check box one. Or box two, I'm a learner. I, I was a beginner, and I liked it. I believe God's moved, like, like Raven said. I want to put God in my budget, but you're not at 10% yet, because box three, the core, is I'm going to give. I'm gonna bring my whole tithe into the storehouse, and God, I, God's going to open the windows of heaven and bless me such that I cannot contain it. It's what he said. Or number four, I'm going to move above. I'm going to move above a core. I'm going to be a kingdom builder. I'm going to organize my life around the ability to give because I want to fund the kingdom of God. I want to be a hilarious, man. I want to be a part. And so I don't care if you're a senior adult on a fixed income or a single mother, you can be a part of kingdom builders. You just got to give over your 10%. Or, you, you know, as, as Raven said right there, the money back guarantee, read that. You can check that. Or if you're struggling with money, Come on, let's be honest. There are people, all, all our campuses, we can struggle with money. We get it. Your mom and dad struggled. You struggled. If you don't change, you're always going to struggle with money. And listen, we want to help you out. So we've got some experiences set up for you. The last box is we want to help you. So we want to put you in a group to learn financial, biblical money management. We'll help you. You'll learn. So you can fill this card out. There's a QR code on the screen. You can hit it and fill it out. Send that back, or if you're live, you can fill this card out. And then before you leave all of our campuses, 
at, inside the buildings, right at the, right at the door before you leave the sanctuary, there are buckets. We're not passing them yet. Drop the, just drop it in the bucket because we want to pray over these. I want to know who the kingdom builders are, be real, real, really honest. And so we don't know who you are because I've got some stuff I want to do with the kingdom builders. And so, guys, listen, do we really want all of God? And are we going to really give God all of us? Jesus gave his greatest offering, his son, for us. How can we hold back? For some of you, your next step is salvation. It's making Jesus the captain of your vessel. So campus pastors, would you guys come on out? Would you guys help some people who are ready to step up and give Jesus the helm? Come on, we love you. Give Jesus a shout of praise, would you?